Welcome to Vintage Annals Archive Outsider Podcast. I'm really happy with our guests this week. I had a really amazing conversation um, with them. I'm a big fan of them. They're, they are Julie Klausner. I got to know them through Instagram a little bit and recognize a fellow Broadway and Sondheim fan in particular. Um, and realize they'd be the perfect guest. I'm a, I try to incorporate musical theater as, <laughs> as much as I can. In fact, if I could figure it out, I would do all musical theater, but I'm not there yet. Um, as a comedy nerd and as a Broadway freak, it's really hard not to be a big fan of Julie. Um, she's insanely smart, cool, funny as hell uh, as a person and as a writer. She really knows her stuff. Her jokes are layered and rewards nerds like me who know a lot about comedy and Broadway. Um, I highly recommend watching Schmigadoon. We focus especially the Bells and Whistles episode. So many layered jokes. If you love Broadway, you will love that episode. And through getting to know her work, I really got another masterclass in comedy writing. So many jokes for, again, people that know comedy, people that know Broadway will love it. Um, please keep track of her career. She's being hired and working with some of the most amazing people and who know, who see her talent. And she'll only get, do bigger things and bigger projects. And I, I wish the, the best. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? How are you? Oh my god, I love your uh, divine. I just, oh, yeah. I just found that image. It's it's the black and white is amazing on that that photo. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's his uh, black and white um, LA Iworks ad. I'm so I'm sure you know. I I'm, I wish I knew as much as I people think I know about this kind of shit, <laughs> but I know that image. Um, thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you. Everyone has different hobbies in life. And theater has been one that even when I don't pursue it, it finds me. And it's just been a constant in my life. And I feel like you're probably like that as well, where it's just no matter what you do, it just comes for you. Totally. Yeah. I feel like you're having, in my estimation, like a really big musical theater moment in your life. Because, I mean, you just posted about hanging out with uh, Fosse's daughter, right? Nicole Fosse invited yeah. me to see dancing <laughs> and it was crazy. It was so surreal. When a Fosse invites you to something, you have you have entered that world. You just interviewed Alan today. We had our Alan coming episode uh, release earlier this week, and it was fantastic. He's one of the best conversationalists. He's a cunning linguist uh, on top of everything else he does. And, and he is just so magnificently prolific and multi-talented. I mean, there's one world in which it would just be unfair that one person would be that talented. And I'm just crazy about him. Do you know Dan um, Fishback? Yeah, I know Dan. I interviewed Dan. I've known Dan from Philadelphia. And Dan told me like that he would reach out to him and just help him out like that. He's like such a kind person that he would reach out to like anybody who's in that world and just and just do something nice for them and kind of champion them. You know, not a lot of people do that, especially when no. you're big and you're a little egotistical and you make money. Not that he's like that. But, you know, when you enter that world, you don't always look out for the other guy. No. And, and Alan is also someone and I find this to be such an incredible like and rare quality as I get older and we all get older. It's like he's he is so curious, like he's always interested in what young people are doing. The, the enthusiasm he has towards the scene is really inspiring. I almost feel like Alan is, is a Sondheim type person in terms of that world of just, you know, going to shows stamping people to pr for approval in some way absolutely although i think that sondheim definitely had more of like that curmudgeonly elder quality to him <laughs> than alan does alan has like you know he, he's kind of always going to be the the mc to some people and not joel gray's mc where you're like is he supposed to be satan but more just like oh my god this this guy's fantastic and just watching him like in i guess i don't know uh, it's a scene where you're in Speaking of doing a scene where you're talking, uh, not you, I'm um, sorry. I, apparently you were also in it. Listen, being confused with anyone in that cast is a huge compliment. So whoever it is, I'll take it. What's really cool is I didn't know that, but that Vanessa handpicked you to write for this thing, which is amazing, right? Oh, C Cecily. Cecily. Why am I calling her Vanessa? Is that her character's name? No, but maybe you're thinking of Vanessa Bayer, who's another. Uh, I, I might be. I've been doing nothing but learning about Schmigadoon for the last like oh, gosh. day and a half. Your brain. So must my be... brain's a little bit. It's it's there, but it's gonna it's, get. Your brain is your brain is corn pudding right now. I'm also but... like ADD and a little dyslexic, so Me too. It, it, it goes through. So hey, neurodiversity is the fabric. It's the, I like a patchwork uh, fabric. 
I just wish somebody would have told me that when I was fucking 11 instead of like 52. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. Oh, you're just going to be weird for the next 30 years, but it's well, cool. Now you know. Don't worry. Yeah, as they say in Merrily, <laughs> we roll along. Now you know. Have you heard about that, that Richard Linklater is doing that? Over like 21 years? Yeah, why not? Sure, where are we going? I know, I mean, it's just... I remember reading something about it and it was like Sondheim was saying how it was he approved it, but he would not be around when it was going to happen, which is I mean, a lot of people, you know, I don't I, I certainly don't plan to be alive when it comes out. But that's, <laughs> that's either here. It's only got another, I think it's another 15 or 16, 17 years. Look, maybe have... maybe Linklater can crack it. Maybe, you know, that shows it sort of famously hard to interpret. And, and it's been one of those. And I haven't seen the new incarnation of it. I don't know a ton about that musical except for that. I saw the documentary about all the about the age problem. It's a good doc. Musical. It's a good doc. It kind of it kind of talks about like why it doesn't what why it was challenging the stage, certainly in its original form. And then since then, it's just a tough nut to crack. It goes backwards. How are you going to do that? I mean, Linklater is sort of doing the boyhood model does make sense in theory. So maybe that'll be the way to do it. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. I would just never imagine he'd be part of a musical. Anyway. So I was curious. I know I always joke uh, to people when I talk about musical theater that, you know, in Philadelphia, there's a law that our Jewish parents have to take us, you know, three times a summer to New York. You might you you grew up in um what uh what is it? I grew uh, up in Scarsdale. So you were like you know twenty wait an hour from Broadway. I mean an hour and a half. An hour from Broadway should be the name of my memoir. <laughs> did you get? Did your family? Were you in a typical Jewish family that went to a lot of musical theater? Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of Broadway shows growing up. What were some of the? I don't know. I don't want to get favorites, but some that were Cats, A Chorus Line, Aunt Annie. Cats was the first show I remember seeing because it, it was very, very impactful. Yeah, was it because I, I read it, somebody, uh, one of the cast members brushed by it. Was that really yeah, weird? She touched me and I it was wonderful. It was very exciting to see the dancers um, orange chip nail polish underneath her glove, her fingerless glove. And it was like a very formative moment. There's so much going on in that image, whether it's like breaking the fourth wall of actors breaking the fourth wall, the chipped neon orange, which is like very kind of new wave, New York City, cool girl stuff. And then there's the magic of theater. And then there's actual cats, which are my favorite. So there was a lot going on in that moment. It was like being struck by light. It was my superhero origin story. I try to look at a person's life and see kind of how they get certain places and what they do. And I want to start a little bit with with what's uh, your show. Um, horrible people, right? Difficult people, I'm sorry. Because, you know, you see, I feel like, again, if I define you as I do myself, that theater is just in our blood, then working with Andrew Martin must have been very cool. And I'm wondering how nerdy you are. Have you ever heard um, Getting My Act Together and Take It on the Road? The Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the parody of that that Andrea Martin does? Oh, my fucking God. Right. There's an episode in season one of Difficult People is based on that. Holy shit. I had, okay. her, I had her do a one woman show and we actually oh my God. quoted direct lines from the SC TV sketch. That's one of my favorite, if not my favorite SCTV episodes. And I did see the original. I went to the Lincoln Center Performing Arts Library and watched the original, which is, I believe, written by John Cryer's mother, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, John Cryer's mother. Yeah. 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 It's that's super interesting. I'm curious about just being around her and working with her. Best. It's weird because I mean I'm also a comedy nerd, but like mm -hmm. what's interesting about you is it's this world of comedy mixed with Broadway. And then all these things kind of tie together. I mean, I can't think of anybody in SCTV without thinking of the original version of Godspell they did in, in yeah. Canada, yep. which seemed to be this huge fucking thing for all those people. Yeah, I wish I'd seen that production. I think I would. I think I would actually like Godspell had I seen it. You don't like Godspell too much? The funniest tweet I read about Schmigadoon season two is that they someone pointed out they're very loving when it comes to paying tribute and parodying musicals, except for Godspell. And that was my episode because I saw it for the sake of research in the room. And then I wrote that parable that they do. And it was my kind of scathing way of being mean to what I thought was the most insufferable kind of dorky theater kid improv sort of just tonally that stuff drove me insane it's like joe it's like a jokey version of hair as a cabaret in, in a lot of ways yeah it was very theater camp so i decided to like rip it apart and 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 it i think it worked i think i think it was super funny but but when i read about the original production i think oh i bet i would have dug that a lot songs are good 
it seems like a lot of the hate is is around the movie, not so much the stage play. Mo- pro- probably. I mean, like I said, if I'd seen that production, the, the songs are beautiful. Those people are the funniest people in the world. I'm sure I would have loved it. I want to go back a second. I just want to I want to hear about some really nice experiences that you had as a kid in New York with your family to just like take it in theater. I saw Tyne Daly and Gypsy uh, as Mama Rose. I saw Miss Saigon was really impactful. I saw that production with Jonathan Price. Um, he had no he had no business playing that role, but I still really enjoyed it. Uh, raci- racially, it was completely inappropriate. That was the what late nineties. They didn't think of it as much as they think of it now. But early nineties, yeah. But even then, it was still a controversy. With yikes, I saw wonderful shows with the best, with the original cast, and the. I mean, I was just so spoiled. So my version of theater is exposure to like the best theater in the world. Did you ever see falsettos when it was out? I did see falsettos. I loved it. Well, I, I got to do that with a theater company, a local one. That is my all-time favorite, which makes. Which which makes Chip Zine my 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 favorite. He will no one will ever, in terms of male singers. He's the OB original Baker. Who is that for you? Do you have? I mean, for uh, I'd probably say Potemkin just because of Sunday in the Park with George, which saw great performances of recording of it and the original Broadway cast. I guess there was a lot of Sondheim that was recorded. I mean, there was a recording of Into the Woods. That one's incredible, too. Yeah, I think I might have seen that one, to be honest, but I don't exactly remember. I got lucky too. like, um, I think the do you mind if I share back and forth? Is that OK? I feel not like at all. I try to share, but not take over. But I feel like it's kind of it's like how a therapist will say something to get you to like open up and then it'll go back to you. But I think my, if I can share mine, which which I don't think I even will realize how how amazing it was for another 20 years. But I saw Raul Julia in Man of La Mancha. Oh, wow. And I remember that just felt like transcendent. Yeah, I, I bet that was you just never forget things like that, do you? I don't brag a lot. And I did get to see I don't know. I, I, I was a Book of Mormon freak. Book of yeah. Mormon to me, especially again, we I, I do want to get more into like musical theater comedy because that's a great one. Yeah, Um, that. I, when it's good, it's great. Oh my God. That one, I went to see that one. I, I Right before the Oscars, the Tonys that year, I figured out like, let me try and get them. And I wound up getting, it was $180. I've never spent that kind of money for anything. And I saw it in a Wednesday afternoon with the original cast. And I, it was like a fucking rock show. And I, I'm surprised that they had an older audience. If you look at the content of it, did they not get yeah. it? Was it, was the Disneyfication of it the trick where, where everything's felt Disney? So nobody paid attention to like a song about fucking frogs. Wait, what's the question? Like, how did it? How did it attract young? People? How did it? No, no, old people. How did it get like? Oh, they're the ones who can afford Broadway. Right, old people right. go to Broadway shows. That's what they but do. Yeah, I would have thought more people would have been thrown by it and not and be really offended. By the time they get to that stuff, I think you're on board. I think that I think you're, because it also has a point. Like that show has a point. It's it's not just funny and also you know keep in mind that they're written by the, the the same person who wrote let it go so like this guy has access to populist hypnosis skills have you heard the story about how they connected with robert lopez with uh, avenue q yeah right that's that's fucking amazing if you questions i feel like this is something i've seen only in theater this weird ass synch- synchronicity Mm. where you'll be like, I need this. I'm to look for this person. And they're looking for you and you find each other. Does that happen to you in theater? I think that when people do things and they're lucky enough to get them made, then you have a calling card out there so that I'm more likely to work with someone if I know their work already. I think that that's kind of a given, whether it's in theater or television, anything else. It's the paradox of like having already succeeded so that you can succeed. This seems like a dream job for you. Wait, wait, which should make it should make a dune? Well, difficult people, difficult people is a dream job. That was that was having your own show. There's really nothing I would strongly recommend it. <laughs> um, <laughs> While you're talking about that, was there a certain show? I mean, I would assume there's a little road in there, maybe. Fab Fab, um, my my model, my model with two best two best friends wise. I wanted it to be like Ab Fab, and then structurally, I was looking toward Curb, and then like in terms of the actual writing of it, I really always idolize like Larry Sanders and Arrested Development, and you know, just like high joke density, and um, you know, not not wasting a single line of dialogue. And I guess it's, it's interesting because you also had Jackie Hoffman on there, who I only really met new recently from doing um, Z- Xanadu. I didn't yeah. really know much about her before that. Yeah, no, and I've known Jackie for years. She seems amazing. 
She's uh, she, she could be funny and famous in any era. She is absolutely you could pick her up and drop her in like 1921, you know, 1892. Like she would be like people would be laughing in the aisles. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Do you think I've had this thought about. So, you know, improv, there's you've had, you come from improv UCB. There's a certain dedication to improvisation that it's full, it's full on. You can't really do improv without everything being in it. And I feel like musical theater is also yeah. 100%. So do you see a, do you see a, a connection between the dedication that you have to have for both those things as someone who's done co improv comedy and musical theater stuff? Well, I've seen, first of all, I've seen a lot of half-assed improvs. So I will put that <laughs> out there. And the other thing I'll mention is that I was, I, I, I've done improv, but I was never an improviser. Cause I was, I, I can improvise if the cameras are on and they're like, okay, like let's do one where you make this up. And it's like that kind of improv. I can do that. But like, I, I trained at UCB, but I was really more into sketch. So that's sort of, I was more into the like writing, performing, like for like putting something up that I wrote. Musical theater, yes, you have to be completely all in. And in, in unless you have material that's smart and funny, then it's extremely embarrassing to be all in. How is it working with kids in the hall? I mean, those guys are, I never, I didn't know them until recently. Amazing. And I, I, it's amazing. I, it's, amazing. There's a lot of things. It's going to sound bad. There's a lot of things in comedy that I feel like I don't. I'm not a Monty Python person. Oh, and there's okay. a lot of things that I feel like are really influenced by Monty Python that I don't think I'll like, but I do like. And I assume Kids in the Hall would be too much like Python. I didn't watch it, and then I realized it, it's 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 in there. I mean, Mr. Show is also like from Python, but it's in the best way. So that so yeah. What did? How was that? I love all I love all three of those things. It was incredible. I grew up with uh, kids of the hall were to me in high school, absolutely everything. And so when I got to meet them and work with them, it was a total dream come true. What are some what were some other sketch comedy that really blew your blew, has blown your mind, whether from that time or even now? Like what are some sketch shows or comedy, you know, sketch comedy that you really, whether it's live or whether it's all the stuff that like blew the facade off the happy nuclear family and all the cancer jokes. And then all the stuff that Scott did about, you know, queerness. And I, and I am so bored of the term ahead of its time, but like, yeah, 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 there's just a certain conversation that, that certain people were having that mainstream America wasn't yet. And it felt like you were part of the, you you were having a conversation with some cooler people than the ones that you knew or that were in your life. Yeah. Um, I, I found when doing the research, I found there was um, a Playboy article about you did. I know you'd said you, you only showed my pussy. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Those are not my tits. Those are someone else. You but you're credited as, as writing the third episode, but you said you guys all work together. Correct? Did they just for Schmigadoon? Schmigadoon, yeah. So for Schmigadoon, okay. So forgive, forgive me if I'm mansplaining this. Every TV show has a different process. So this is not how it worked on Difficult People. This is not how it worked on Kids in the Hall. For Schmigadoon, what happened? I can I can tell you like we Cinco came in for season two. We'll say for season two with a sense of what he wanted to do. So he knew that he wanted this like Sweeney and sort of Miss Hannigan, Mrs. Lovett character. And he knew that he wanted this like combination of Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell and also like hair and the, the tribe from those shows. And he knew that there should be a narrator like the kind from Pippin. And we weren't sure if that was also going to be like the MC from Cabaret. But he had these notions of what the characters were going to be considering the, the shows that we were dealing with, the, the major shows we were dealing with at the time. And so he, along with the four writers, staff writers, basically broke the, the story for each of the six episodes and then once we, so we figured out like what each episode would be and what the sort of season arc was like, you know, building up to. And then once we figured out, OK, this is like an outline for episodes one, two, three, four, whatever. We were each writer is assigned an episode to um, write that outline and then write the script. And then you go back and forth with Cinco and then it's opened up to the room. And then the room says, here's an idea for a joke or are we sure this is working or I'm not sure about this. And let's talk through that. And the writer of that episode will keep doing passes on it with Cinco and eventually send it in. But then there'll be a table read. And at the table read, then more 
pitches will come in or more jokes will come in or, or, you know, based on network notes, then we'll have to make more changes. But at a certain point I gave, I gave mine up to Cinco and the production team and they made a couple of changes, but not, not a lot. So I do feel more ownership over that episode than I would had I been working on a, a different kind of show. There are shows where, you know, showrunners will completely write over whatever it is you turn in, um, which is completely legitimate. I'm not like saying that's a bad thing at all. It's just sort of not how this experience went. And then on Difficult People, I had a, this like beautiful, amazing, wonderful writer's room of like my funniest friends and some, you know, other funny people that were recommended the writer's room it was me and the writers and they would pitch and we would break the story and then I would go off and write like every script so that was a totally different experience Jamaica Dune as I was staffing on someone else's show and it really is like Cinco's show Cinco's vision and I do want to add Cinco wrote all of those songs I was curious I guess how him writing those songs then changes your text because it's again those songs you know in in good musical theater this the song gets you to the next plot point it's really important to like talk when we're talking through breaking a story to know like, OK, this is a moment for a song here or he knows that he wants to put a song in that episode and this is what it's going to be. So we're kind of like looking for that place. So it does go both ways. Yeah. Where we're either saying mm, it would be good to have a song here, whether it's for the sake of like breaking up the pace or because this is a moment that's emotional enough that we want to take a minute and unpack. Or I just like I have a funny idea for a song. I think it was episode four of season two. He did talk to daddy which was like a rich man's frug um uh rhythm of life like mashup well he also talks i mean he says a lot of things things about you but he also talks about you would sing sing sometimes with while he was writing how was how was that like i was recruit i mean it was like having a gun to my head no it was fun (laughs) i I love singing it's fun and fabulous and sing sing cinco song was a privilege and everybody who works on the show would would say as much i mean he's an insanely talented individual like the amount of story telling you can do with a song considering that he is good at storytelling in other ways is pretty remarkable and figuring that balance is always tender but when he i mean he's just yeah he he's brain and his talent is pretty overwhelming there's a simpsons element to this in my opinion of like making you kind of pay attention that i feel like if you you know you like i had not noticed there's a certain book that's shown in the in in one of the episodes and I did not notice that until watching it again until I was lo- noticing that like it's it pays you to pay attention to the details and then I'm like listening to their when he starts they start naming all of the um cabaret girls and they're, and they're all characters from Annie isn't that great and I didn't know that until like I'm like wait that's got to be something they said Annie I, I'm like such, that's got to be the rest of the cast that's such and, a good joke and they do it again in for for Greece but yeah. then they then in the song about oh my god the song about the kids being happy about being eaten is is yeah. fucking brilliant yeah, and yeah yeah i was hoping those names meant something but they don't seem to they not- are just puns off of the food well it's you know for a little priest it was just like rhyming an occupation with um how someone would taste so in this case it was rhyming kids name with like the kind of meat they would be i did have to i did love very much uh that the the twin i mean martin short talk about godspell he was in godspell yeah uh i love that they were named oscar and steve and i'm like that's got to be hammerstein and sonheim right steve had just died when we were writing uh season two and it was really horrible and hard and hard even though he was 91. do you know him at all no i wish i'd met him but i'm also um glad i never met him on a bad day because i know there was cranky steve that i would not have liked to meet I i think someone with that vision has to be a bit of an asshole to not get eaten up i in my opinion, I, but I, could I be welcome wrong. it. I welcome it. Whenever I hear someone, I was like, well, what kind was he? Did he hurt animals? <laughs> it's like, no, nope, right. yeah, I'm OK with him. Yeah. Oscar and Steve, the two greatest lyricists of the 20th century. Yeah, I'm not. A, I, I don't I have a hard time with all the old stuff, which is why I think this season is much more attractive to me than the last one. No, I'm not an expert. I'm not I'm not a Rodgers and Hammerstein girl, but it's all foundational. It's like you can't can't have like Picasso unless you have like Michelangelo, I guess. What I was really impressed is that you somehow this somehow the show got a TV 14. There's two references to Hitler <laughs> <laughs> and there's a song about kids being happy about being eaten and murdered. How did yeah. how does that I, I'm kind of shocked that the show is an R like there's a lot of stuff in there that's pretty well, fucked up. The song up. is not about them being happy. It's about how 
how funny it is that they're going to solve their problems. And the kids were instructed to seem really, really excited because first of all, they're getting attention from this negligent like matron who hasn't who hasn't been nice to them until now. And now they're all singing and dancing and eating. It's like the beginning of Oliver when you can see them eating. Well, and I think again the ma- the mashup of like Sweeney Todd and Annie is yes. insanely again fucking brilliant. Well, that's Cinco being yeah that that Cinco is like that Cinco being brilliant. Sweeney is Cinco's favorite Sondheim musical, and Annie I think is is a good show for him to flex his. Cinco's so good when he writes for children or writes like with children in mind because first of all he likes children which is you know i've heard they're cute but i i think <laughs> like they don't they don't they don't bark they don't bark and meow as much as i as i prefer my loved ones but but he's written he's written so beautifully and so tenderly and intelligently for children like you know he wrote that he wrote despicable me with like those little girls and he he writes like those doctor like those dr seuss movies that he had worked on so like it comes from love so you know when he has kids in the picture sure so to, to paraphrase robert evans he uh he, like the, the kids in the first season when they were dancing on that desk that was a tribute to pennies from heaven but it was also just like these kids are they're wonderful and there is a kind of child performer that's quite cloying and irritating and they and and he plus his director were were sure to like tell the kids how to be cute but not too cute so that we want to you know that you're that you're <laughs> like irritating I didn't I didn't know until about a year ago that when we just kids say in the picture where we were just talking about Robert Evans was Jewish because it's doesn't he's high kind of, I don't think he was very public about him being Jewish, but he is boy born Jewish and I oh, think yeah. it's not his last Yom name. Yom Kippur, baby. Yom Kippur. The, I don't know if you've ever seen the Mr. Show where um, Bob oh, yeah. does Plays him God. as God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy fucking shit. And yeah. All right. Uh, I want to talk about two women that I feel like seem to have influenced some of your more cabaret i know you do mm-hmm. I know you've done a few cabarets um sandra barnhart holy shit i love her um i didn't know how good she was until listening watching pose mm-hmm. and her doing um sometimes it snows in april which is a Prince song apparently you've seen her dance a little red corvette in her movie right i don't think so i don't think so i don't know much about her but you she influenced your bro i mean she was a big influence you, did you see her shows that she did when you were coming up yeah, without you, I'm nothing. It's worth it's worth watching. It's really outstanding. And um, yeah, and then I just also I, I see her whenever she does her live show. I try to, and um, she's a, a friend of mine. And um, she's amazing. I she's mean, amazing. She's the w- like one of, if not the coolest people I've ever had the privilege to meet. What about her performing has influenced you, if, if anything? Uh, she's so uh, certain. And I and I love that. And she's also, I, you know, what it it comes down to is just being really cool. I'm someone I, I'm someone to whom being cool matters, which makes me different from a lot of people who love musical theater, and also puts me in a position where I'm kind of conflicted on occasion. It's hard to be cool and like musical theater. In well, some I figured it out somehow, so I must be doing something right. No, no, you are, but it's not an easy thing. I mean, it's. I don't it's gotten I mean, easier. It was not easy in the 80s. It's gotten easier now. I, I wonder about that, but it, <laughs> I, I just know that it's like there are two things about me. is One is I care about being cool, and another is that musical theater is awesome. So it's tough to reconcile. No, being cool is something else. What is being cool for you? Lou, like Lou Reed is cool. You know, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol was cool. Lou Reed and Andy Warhol aren't Jewish. I don't know. There's a certain part Lou of being Reed Jewish. Lou Reed was Jewish. Was Lou he? Reed oh, was... shit. Hell, fuck yeah, Lou Reed I'm was sorry. Jewish. He is our legacy. I am more proud of Lou Lou Reed and Stephen Sondheim. There are people that make me proud of being Jewish. Fran Leibowitz is another. Uh, Fran is very cool. I don't, I mean, from what I've known. Yeah. Okay, Bridget Everett. How did you get connected with? I mean, that, that another like holy shit, right? Super talent. Yeah, she's awesome. She, well, it's also you're just naming like rock stars, and that's what I try to do with my cab show. Is I try not to sit. It, it's never just me and a piano. It's like I have a band, and I'm going to be doing rock songs, and I'm going to be wearing something like um you know not that's not respectable. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be wearing something on stage that like I I wouldn't wear dinner. Like that's one of the things that's important about it. And you're at that. It's uh what is it? The I forget, it's called. It's a fancy place that they that all. I those... do it at Joe's Pub when I do yeah, it. and that yeah. seems to be like it was is that like living a little Broadway dream to be able to perform at Joe's Pub that's like it's, all the big people perform there you it's know? its, it's, its it. own thing which I love I love that scene and that's how I know Bridget and uh and 
Billy also is sort of in that scene or was when he was living here, like Bridget Everett, Murray Hill, Sandy does her yeah. show there. Jackie Hoffman does her shows there. Oh, nice. And the TV show that uh, they're in right now is fucking blowing me away. I'm so happy for both of them. I'm so happy for them to have that show. My God, it's about fucking time. Beautiful. And it's funny. And it's it's so it's like, and there's nothing like it. It's just nothing else. It doesn't you can't reference. It, you can't compare it. There's nothing like it. It's it's a beautiful show. Yeah. And I, and I didn't like only knowing Bridget from like seeing like more intense singing. I had no idea that there was other, other stuff going, but such a such a kind and, and, and authentic human being, at least, from, at least from watching it on TV. No, what you see is what you get with Bridget. All right. And what's weird I read about Cinco was that this was this concept of Schmigadoon was based on watching American Wear from London. Yes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you watched oh. that? I certainly have, but I I try to limit my exposure to John Landis for uh, manslaughter manslaughter related reasons. What's it like just being in the writers' room? I'm curious. I mean, Bo and Yang has got to be amazing. Yeah, I feel like you both seem to have a certain sensibility of darkness and snarkiness, and I mean that in the best possible way. Hopefully, I love Bowen. Bowen introduced me to Marianne Williamson. I didn't know who she was, and then the day after the Democratic debate, she, he showed me clips of her, and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I just feel like there's something in your comedy that seems like you would get each other. Well, I tend to get along very well with homosexuals. <laughs> that, is, that is it. Yeah, uh, me as well. The good ones. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, they're all good ones. It's hard to find. It's like, look, is it cheese? Then it probably tastes good. Well, that's why I was talking about the 80s, because like, back in the day when I was getting the musical theater, it pretty much meant you were gay. All the dudes that did musical theater were gay, pretty well, much. If we want to talk about the 80s musical theater, we're going to have to talk about the fact that no art form took a bigger hit when it came to the impact of AIDS. And I know that that's a depressing subject. No, 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 no. I, I got to interview um Anne Magnuson. Oh, Anne is, okay. That's another, like, idol of mine. But Anne, like, you know, I mean, I heard it from Anne. I mean, I watched, there's a video she does, which is an hour talking about AIDS. She, like, all her friends died. All of her friends died in, like, in the course of, like, a year. That's why that's I'll be honest. That's why homophobia bothers me more than anything else is that all these gay men who were, you know, of a certain age watched half their fucking people die, knew the government didn't give a fuck and nobody should, you know, you, you should earn the right to make the fuck to hate someone like that. You got to earn that. You can't, they don't deserve your hate. They've, they've lost everything for, for nothing. You know, so we don't need to get in the darkest, but it's, it's you know, devastating personally. And then culturally, the impact is, is I mean, we're still it's like we're still recovering from the impact of covid like right now. Socially, it's not even close to that. Like and, and then the impact it, it made losing people like Michael Bennett, just like thousands and thousands of other the best of the best. Michael Bennett. I'm obsessed with. Well, the thing about Michael Bennett is that the tra- one of the great tragedies of him dying when he did is that we never got to see what he would have been like as a film director because Fosse, my fandom around Fosse has a lot to do. I think most I think I'm mostly a fan of Fosse because of his talent as a film director. How did you end up being in that show in Fosse Verdon? How did that happen? I was friendly with um, Tommy Kale, who was directing it. And and Lynn, who was on Difficult People, he did a, he was kind enough to do a cameo for us. And it was uh, just something that I knew I wanted to be a part of. And, and I had written about Fosse. And so they knew I was around and that I was passionate about the, the subject. So they found a, a, a role for me. And I was excited to I met Nicole and I was excited to be a part of something so strange and special. I want to. I just want to get into the episodes, if it's okay. Please. So I just want to. I want to run episode by episode, and, and just kind of. I don't know. There's some questions, some jokes, some things I want to go into. Absolutely. I don't know how many, how much people really understand how much is referenced, so we can get into that a little bit. But I'm you know keep it pretty simple. Titus is yeah. oh my fucking god. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I I really love. I I don't know if you watched um uh, Central Park. I've seen an episode of and it. Yeah. He, as a singer, I mean, he played a kid too. That was so. I mean, I, I, it's amazing. I would just for him, just for his performance. But I, I didn't, I just didn't realize that how much range he had and how. how oh. I mean, I, I didn't understand his musical theater world until really watching Central Park and then this, and he just he just blows it away. And his character is so weird because you know it's. I mean, in that in the end of that musical, 
he tries to get Pippin to burn to light himself on fire and die. Yes. yes. And I think they, they they don't do that as extreme, but like he's just he's kind of there to fuck with everybody most of the time. He all he, he doesn't ever really serve the main characters. He seems to just get in their way and and screw with them. What was that like? What was is that what is that referencing? I think that's his inner I think that's your inner voice is is you know, at the end when he says, "Don't go home because you're never going to have children." That to me is your inner voice saying give up because he's wrong. He lied. They did. They are. I think that's such a small, special moment to remember that, like, the person you think is the narrator really just is like doing their job and works for someone else. And the person they work for, whether you believe it's like God or a leprechaun or yourself, because it's a voice in your own head, really, yeah. you have to be really skeptical about what you take as authoritarian. I hear you. Interesting. It just was an odd. I didn't, I mean, it's, I, I, I just rewatched it before this. Yeah, the narrator's kind of played in Pippin for like not not the devil necessarily, but like he's out for the entertainment of the audience. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like the the, the same kind of. And jumping in the fire is gonna be you know more entertaining to an audience than you having a nice life with a lady and her son. Uh, we're in the first in the first episode, and there's a reference to sex violence and imperfect rhymes. That's Sondheim, right? Well, Sondheim didn't fuck with imperfect rhymes. No, who's the, who's the what are the imperfect rhymes? Oh, are? everybody else, you know, you, <laughs> it's it's good enough, it's good enough. But but Steve, Steve didn't Steve didn't fuck with those. Knowing musical theater, I'm like I I didn't understand how much the cast, how much history that most of the cast has in musical theater. I mean, Jane was in fucking Starlight Express in the 80s. Yeah, she's a teenager. Oh my God, have you seen that ever? I've seen clips of her in it. Yeah, it's amazing. You, have you ever seen the musical? I, I have not seen all oh of it. No, I saw it's, it in England. I saw it in London. That's, Great. No, in like 91 and it's just it's a it's a fucking it's a track it's it's tracks they're just skating around in these tracks around Wonderful. the theater yeah no i mean if if they Crazy. if i can get some nasal ketamine i'll do i'll go <laughs> but right now all i only have access to intravenous so i hear you again do we shock you names of all the showgirls are from annie and again that was i think that was cinco's that was cinco's oh my God. joke and amazing it's so good because they grew they grew up and that's what they're doing yeah now. Yeah. And then and then you go right to passing a guy that's just reading Mein Kampf. Sure. I mean, that's like backstage <laughs> shenanigans, though. You always see like a, a showgirl walking a llama backstage Saturday Night Live when they do that backstage shot. But, you know, cabaret like it's and everything in that club is like fucked up, you know? That's the whole idea. Do we shock you? Yeah, I, I just thought it was really amazing. All right, so we get to episode two. Seems like with the comedy in this, and I could be wrong, there's a lot of games being played. Such as like when you play a game in terms of improv, and I feel like like corner of the sky, like, well doorway to, to the where, which is mm -hmm. you know corner of the sky, it just gets progressively weirder and steps it up until like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And I love that I was able to at least for me, I was able to see these different games. Um, and right before, right after doorway to where, there's a fucking the bye bye birdie joke, which is also about yeah. a sex offender. Yeah, we needed a bye bye birdie. We needed a bye bye birdie uh, reference. That that Conrad joke is so funny. But it's you know again like for a PG fourteen on TV, that's a pretty yeah. dark joke. Well, I think the the uh, the source material is what's dark. We're just calling it out, right? I don't think I've realized. I don't know. I think I think about like musicals. I think about Disney, and I don't think I realize how villainous a lot of these characters were until I got older. I didn't, well, I just, you know what I mean? I didn't it realize. It depends like, on the lens. It also depends on who's playing them. Like in the movie, Conrad Birdie was like much older. Also, Anne Margaret was like in her 20s at least. And then Hugo sucked shit. So you were like, fuck Hugo. I'm not invested in Hugo's arc and this. Hugo just got cucked. I don't I don't know if all the Sondheim references are due to you or due to Cinco, but again, oh, there's a lot. The whole room knows who Sondheim is. Yeah, yeah. there's a thousand company. There's, you know, um, Bobby character, mm -hmm. you know, towards the end, there's Jane says it. it's like you're, you're, mm -hmm. on, you're on to something. Yeah. Add them up. Add them up, Bobby. Add them up. I want to know a little bit about your connection with uh, company. I didn't see company myself until I was like 23 or 24. It is probably my favorite musical of all time. What I meant to talk about before was co-op. Because again, we're talking about comedy and you know and and uh, musicals. Did you see Co-op? I did not. Oh my God! You have to. When we're done this, do you know what it's based on? Yes, I do. Have you seen the original source, or is that is yes? That a oh yes, plot? I know it very well. I don't want to say anything about it, but it's it's. I mean, obviously, you know the brilliance of those guys that are doing that show. You work with John. Um, I mean, I, I still don't know if Co-op is more brilliant than the one about. Um, Oh, the two, the two ladies with the cats. 
Grey Gardens. I feel like that is one of the strongest performances, performance art, whatever you want to call it, I've ever seen in my life. That is, I've, I've never been impressed by anything like that in my life. That that piece, and then Co-op. I know I won't say much more, but you got to watch Co-op. But yeah, come to, what was it about Company for you? Company. Um, well, that's when that's when Steve like found his voice, and it's also kind of my version of those seventies relationship movies, Women Under the Influence, and just like what marriage is really about, kind of messy and. Ugh. I don't know. I think everyone sort of has a fascination with like what their parents were like when they were young. And to me, that was what company was. It was very 70s. Score was kind of sad. Being alive was sort of like my first exposure to something maudlin when I was young. It was really fascinating to me because it was so specifically adult. It was a musical that was for adults. There was nothing Disney. There was nothing remotely Disney about it. And then historically, I saw it uh, with Raul Esparza when they did it about like, I think 10 or 15 years ago. But um, I, what I love about it is that like, you know, Steve set out to make it so that, you know, usually when you'd go to the theater, you'd escape your problems. And this was his way of putting like, you know, suburb, uh, suburban and Manhattanite problems, just like throwing it right back in people's faces. It's kind of like he, it's kind of like he became like a darker version of Neil Simon and then yes. musicals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who are your two favorite Bobbies? If I can ask. Because I feel like there's like about five. Raul, or... Oh gosh, I thought Raul was outstanding, and then um, you know the original um, Dean Jones what's his name uh, Dean Jones. Yeah, I, I I would yeah, those are my two. Um, Absolutely, and Joanne. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to go with Stritch and Lupone. Well, and I don't want to give it away, but there's connections with that and co-op, and I'll leave it there. Do you know that the 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 woman that the woman that does I'll drink to that was Joanne. I Canada. heard that, yeah, yeah, because it was an all they shot in Vancouver, so they right. had to cast locally. I was like thinking, right? I was yeah, they they did shoot because I was thinking like, and also there's a the woman who becomes a new narrator was also in a show by the same company that Joanne was in in, in Canada. I'm like, were they just? Oh, that's they must, so cool. That's I'm like, great. They must I love have that. been. They must have been doing you know going through Canada looking for people. Okay, again, I need to eat as a joke as a joke title of chorus line. Yes. Holy fuck. Yeah, cinco all the way. One thing I realized that musical theater taught me going, you know, going all these shows, especially chorus line and certain ones, I learned about multiculturalism through musical theater. Oh, that's interesting. And I I, I never really figured out where that came from. Um, and I think most of that was chorus line, to be honest, because I, I was I was eleven I was eleven when I saw it. It's a revolutionary show. It changed everything. Um, and those uh, and those monologues that those dancers say are all John uh, Tolans who wrote those, who wrote that episode. And I think, you know, just like Sondheim is, is more reality based in terms of musicals. I love what I call the documentary musicals, which is mm-hmm. chorus line because of how they collected the material. Yes. I don't know if you know the Me Nobody Knows. Do you know that one? I don't. It's, it was based on all these kids, uh, New York public school kids in the seventies, all their writing, and then they made it into a show. And it, it's really beautiful. It takes place from, from overnight to the next morning. And it's just, it's, it, it's just kind of more stories being told, but it's, it's really, I love the, that old 70s stuff, stuff. Yeah, me too. And like Runaways is kind of similar to me. I, although I've never seen much footage of that, but you know, Runaways. I don't, I, I don't, but I love, I love like, I love grimy 70s though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. It was fabulous. At the ballet. That's yes. Every fucking song, chorus line, is just groundbreaking, in my opinion. Yeah, it I is. mean, everyone, no matter how many times you hear it, it's just, and that, that one is tough. And so, like, you know, to go from there into, um, into, into the music in the mirror from at the ballet, yes. and then she, and, and the line, Dr. Doctors, is just fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great. And there's a, I wrote on picture gag, I guess when uh alan's the character place, the license did you hold up her driver's license no that that well I, that was that was interesting i didn't i didn't notice that until i read i didn't know that one until i read about it but i like there's a picture gag when um alan's character starts talking about the past and it's a picture of his oh and they're all holding wives knives yeah yeah it was pretty great it would be a good uh ta- tattoo why does tofor's character have a puppet most of the time is that was that a choice it doesn't make sense and it didn't really make a lot of sense to me was that's that a good. It? That's a good question, but I I will say I I don't I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I will say it's one of my favorite things in the whole season. It's, and every time really... he every time he takes that thing out, I am in heaven because Aaron Tveit. It turns out is not only this like dreamboat like from planet heaven with this beautiful singing voice, 
but he's also really funny and yeah, goofy. Yeah. So his his goofy stuff killed me. Nice. I love the stuff with the puppet. Yeah. Loved. He was fun to watch. I don't, oh I don't know. God. I don't know much about his work, but he was really fun to watch. So um, fun. So fun. I love him. One of my favorite jokes. This is this is one again in, in the so-called your episode. Uh, they're talking about the group home. And he's like, yeah, you my, say my episode. I'll take, right, I'll take okay, it. I'll take it. I'll take ownership. Why not? All right, and there you go. <laughs> um, they're t- talking about the group home. And then. Yes, that's mine. Yeah, my, that's yours. I had one of those. And it's like, to me, I'm a, that's a Muppet joke. I don't know if you were a Muppet fan in the best way. I mean, believe me, I'm a Muppet. I, look, I, I idolize Miss Piggy. I, I learned it's most of my beauty tips. It's such a good, dry, like Jim Henson, Frank Oz joke. And I loved it. I'm very proud of that joke. Yeah. And again, I love like everyone's gonna get naked. It's again, it's a game. Yeah. It's, we're gonna progressively try to get you to take your clothes off, and, and it's gonna be, and you're gonna try to fight it. And I love that whatever whoever figured that out that there's these really nice. I, I call them improv games only because they're happening within the arc of the song. Maybe yes. not improv, but they're not improv, but just they're just a game that's besides that's happening besides a song. It's um, it's really funny that it's mandatory. It's it's really. All that stuff uh, with the with the tribe is really fun. Yeah, and I think it was you know again it was it was really interesting. That was hard. I, I couldn't imagine. It was very hard. It seemed hard to do to mash up some of these things so well. And sometimes there was mashups of two or three things together, which just you know threw yeah. me off. Yeah, well, that's hair superstar and Godspell with the tribe stuff. And it seems like you know when I look at all the I, I wrote I wrote something down I was going to read to you. Let me go to the top. And I I was thinking about again multiculturalism, and I feel like when I make a list of those shows. It also is the ones that are really important in, in, in my opinion, in, in uh, Broadway history. And it goes from Fiddler, mm-hmm. to Chorus Line, to La Cage, to Rent, to Hair. Lacage, Lacage. Lacage, sorry, shit. That's okay. Fucking... That's Avenue okay. Q, Book of Mormon, Spring Awakening, to mm-hmm. Hamilton. And then it lands on what I think is, what I, I think you had written about this as well, what I think is one of the most outstanding musical theater ever written, A Strange Loop. Oh, Strange Loop Holy... is, is mind blowing. Yeah, I, I especially the song "Memory." I've listened to that song "Memories," "Memories" yeah. like a thousand, and I can and I feel I'm able to hear a song about a young gay black kid, and 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 hear it as a Jewish kid. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's the universal with the specific, and it's a masterpiece. Have you seen his new work at all? Not yet. You, Not no. yet. I can't wait. Do you get to do you get to go to? I mean, is it part of your life really seeing a lot of musical theater? Yes, I try to see as much as I can. That's awesome. There, I find there's a few stories that were just you being at a show, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I know it's not a great story, but it did happen. So I no, no, no. I mean, I just feel like I it, prefer being at a show than at a party. But I mean, there was yeah. art things in like play, but like there's different articles I found are just little stories that were just you. Oh, the story was you were there, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's you're kind talking of about it. being cool. That that <laughs> works, right? I hope so. I just thought there's a line where someone just sings "Flowers Don't Wear Pants." <laughs> just really good. There's a part within when um someone said there's a performance and someone says I already hate this. I was wondering if it's based on reality of going to a show, sitting down, knowing knowing you're you're knowing you're like holy shit. And I'm curious if you had a show that you thought you would hate within the first five minutes, but then you loved. Oh gosh, that's a good question. Well, I, I will say it is not based on that. It is directly based from my experience watching Godspell the movie for research for this show. And and yeah, no, that movie I I was it it was it was very triggering. People fucking why why what in what way? I'm just curious. Really irritating. It has sound effects. They're they're like they put like a, somebody puts like a the you know the end of a mop on their head and they do a and that's a wig and then they'll do like a Groucho impression. But and they're teaching me like the New Testament. Maybe that's another part of it that bums me out is like, I'm just like, am I is this conversion therapy? Because I'm not joining. I'm yeah, I'm not. I, I this it this ain't my this ain't my scene, man. What was it like to to write for Kristen and and, and Alan? Amazing. Heaven. That was my favorite. I, I chose originally, I think I chose this episode to write because I wanted to introduce those two characters. I wanted to be the first person to write for like because Sweeney Todd is my favorite so I want it's like my dream role too would be love it like love it's my all-timer I mean I think I'd be a great Hannigan I think I'd be um you talk about funny girl a lot I, I, I don't, I don't would like you... I don't like I don't like funny girl I don't um Sorry, I meant gypsy would you would oh you... gypsy oh yeah. gosh yeah one day talk one about day gypsy I'd a lot. love to be mama rose but I I like to think I appreciate that as a combo I, I'm right I hope that I'm too young for it right now 
I love during bells and whistles again. That's a, it seems like a reference to tits and ass. Yes. And then yes. it goes into getting married, which is brilliant. Yeah, I mean Jane. Uh, it's also like kind of uh, there's a song from Drowsy Chaperone called Show Off, and I think it was kind of like Jane's show off, um, just showing off everything she could do and all. And and she called it kind of like uh, she's absolutely amazing. She's not she's not from this planet. She's beyond talented she and titus both have that thing where it's not as fair that they're as funny as they are considering <laughs> um so she, she she joked that it was like it was just like you know that it was an opportunity for her to um dig out the special skills section of her resume and just you know act it out i didn't know she had done i mean she did about maybe seven or eight musicals but again like a lot of you know again i was impressed at how many people in the show really had some deep uh broadway pockets so to speak it's an incredible cast and i love that it's this insular ensemble like it's this troop what was your favorite song from shmigadoon in season two probably um i like welcome to Chicago, and i like uh good enough to eat and then bells and whistles i just love so much because it's like in my episode and i'm like i can't believe this i get to and i love uh i love talk daddy and i love everybody's got to get naked and then the end, happy, happy beginning. I mean, what a beautiful song. And I like that. I feel like that idea at the end of it where it's just like, well, you know, life's shit. It all, I mean, again, that's Sondheim. Like, it's like life's shit. Things yeah. suck. But like, let's go up tomorrow and, and, and find a way to be a reason to be happy. Like, I mean, that's, you know, I don't know. I mean, that to me, that speaks to my world in a lot of ways. And I think the only way to really be positive is to also acknowledge that there's a lot of bullshit going on. Yeah, and it's a day by day thing, and that I thought that line in there about with with you, I'm okay. I think okay is in some ways the best we can hope for. All okay, right, Joey, thanks, really great meeting you. Have, Have a good, good night. night. Thanks Bye. for your time. Hello, and thank you for listening. Um, I really want to thank Julie Klausner. Uh, I, I think they're an amazingly talented human being, and they're just going to do bigger and bigger work over the next bunch of years, and they're definitely someone to watch. They perform a cabaret show in New York, so check out their website to just keep updated on them. Um, I want also want to thank Dan from Upperly Creative Media, LLC. Dan and I are working together. Um, he's helping doing a lot of the mastering and editing and things that I really don't do well and would love to have somebody else do so i'm really looking forward to building a relationship with again dan at upperly creative media llc again thank you we got about 10 more episodes for this year and then uh that's a year we're gonna we're trying to put out 50 we've this is uh 40 and then we got 10 more so thanks again for all your support um we are desperately in need of funding uh, we're looking for producers advertisers this and that, please, uh, if you want to get involved, please reach out to me, uh, Vintage Annals Archive at Gmail, or if you want to do our Patreon, uh, it's patreon.com, Vintage Annals Archive. Thank you. Oh,